Welcome to the Foolish Adventure Show, where guru hype is banned, lifetime value of a customer is king, and the internet business has replaced the J-O-B as the path to financial success and personal freedom. Now, here's straight talk about making a living online with your host, Tim Conley. Welcome to another episode of the Foolish Adventure Show. I'm your host, Tim Conley, and I'm here with my, I'm going to have to just call you a co-host now, now that I've had you on a couple of times, uh, my friend Elaine Amen. Now, can I be your trusty sidekick? That's kind of fun. If you want to be a trusty sidekick, most people just don't go for the whole sidekick <laughs> thing, you know? I, I think, you know, our egos get in the way with that. <laughs> I have three kids. I have no ego left. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, everybody wants to be Batman. Nobody wants to be Robin. <laughs> uh, uh, so I, I guess I'm going to have to start off with, what's up, Lane? What's up? Yeah. I'm doing good. How about you? Uh, I'm doing really well. Uh, just cranking out lots of stuff behind the scenes. And, and you know, that just kind of bugs me because when I work so hard and no one gets to see it, uh, it it's like, oh, you know, there's all this really cool stuff happening, but it doesn't seem like I've accomplished anything unless I, I release it to the world. Uh, exactly. It's like that external validation and you can show them what you've been doing all day. That happens with my family. I've been on the computer all day, but I don't have anything physical to show them. <laughs> so they wonder <laughs> what I've been doing up there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what have you been doing all day? And and so even as as a business owner, so I'm sitting around creating things and doing the operation side of of the business. And and it when you're done at the end of the day, well, it just seems like you just pushed papers around. Uh, well, pixels, it, yeah, right? it, yeah. In this case, uh, uh, ones and zeros. You yep. know, I just push those around all day and. And I, uh, the way I am as a, a creative person, and I know you're a creative person too. So it's like if, if something isn't done, you know, like in a finished product that you can see it in some respect, it doesn't feel like I've accomplished anything. Right. But, but other than that, I mean, it, it's, it, it is fun to, to be doing this. So you know, I can't really ever say that I would want a different life. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. I might have to actually go into an office or it's in a cubicle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that ran a cold shudder up my back. Uh, <laughs> so, so the topic we're going to talk about today, uh, I, I think, it's, uh, really interesting. We've got, and and you've already like built in a tangent for it. So, mm-hmm. I, I think that's pretty cool. So, you want to introduce the topic? Sure. So we, um, so as small business owners, we think about serving our customers and giving them what they want. But when we're the experts, sometimes we know that what they think they want is not really what they want. So how do we bridge that gap? Do we just give them what they say they want? Or do we slip in the vegetables because we know that's what they really need? <laughs> or, uh, or how do we go about doing that? So that's uh, as we edge into product creation, or as I I think more about product creation, I've got a kind of an audience that I'm looking at and people I know pretty well. Um, So I I sometimes feel like I do know better than they do. And and that's a a tricky um, tightrope to walk because you look at people like Steve Jobs and and the Apple monster that he created uh, where they just pump stuff out and people love it. Mm-hmm. And and he he has a a style of this is what we're making, and right. 
and and they keep it hidden so it's not like anyone knows exactly what they're making uh, over there at Apple so then it, then they release it and it's like oh wow that's exactly what what I've always wanted and I never knew I wanted it uh, right and and so that that so when you see stuff like that and 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 if you look in in business in general that's rare Mm-hmm. That somebody releases a product and people just automatically love it, and so so that that's a, that's a difficult thing to do. But then on the other side is when you're in a small business, you need you need successes, mm-hmm. and and so we get a little. Um, tentative about what we do because it's like if this doesn't work, uh, all that all that effort that I've put into this is gone. And, right. and I need this business to make money. Right. And, right. and so, so we get, we get kind of scared. So, um, I'll, I'll throw out mine and then, then I'll, then I'll let you uh, jump in here is that I always, uh, essentially sell what they want and then give them what they need. And uh, uh, I, I think I learned that from Dan, uh, Dan Kennedy, you know, I, I read all of his uh, direct mar- uh, marketing stuff and and I think that was where I had first heard it was you know uh, sell them what they want give them what they need and and that, so that that's kind of been my philosophy now do you literally mean sell versus give are you talking you give away the things they need or are you talking about you sell them what they want and you give them and you include what they need Right, uh, g- uh, including w- uh, what they need. So, so okay. uh, in your marketing, but uh, and I've 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 been tempering this over over the last couple of years about about that. I, I've been doing more selling of of kind of what they what they need, uh, and which uh, depresses sales. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you that right right off the bat, mm. is selling what somebody needs will depress sales. <laughs> mm. uh, I I. Because people don't care what they need, like they they just uh, they they want certain things. Like people need exercise and uh, and healthy food, but what we want is Big Macs and uh, ice cream, and we want to sit on the couch. That's mm-hmm. what we want, mm-hmm. and and so that's why, like in the diet industry, you have people who sell you can eat whatever you want. Right. All you do is take this one little pill. So you. Don't so what e- if it kills your heart? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, who needs a heart, right? <laughs> You'll be skinny in that coffin. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So so I've been tempering that uh, uh, lately because, especially because now that I've jumped into this world of I'm teaching how to make money to people. And and it's full of just some really shady characters. Mm, that's for sure. And and so they and those shady characters, all they sell is what people want. Right. Uh, and unfortunately, they really don't give what they need uh, when when they deliver the product. But th- so they sell these uh, uh, products that say you know you'll make you know tens of thousands of dollars in just in just a, three days or something, and. Uh, or they give you examples of how somebody made forty something thousand in a single hour, and and it's like these are they do happen. I have seen them happen, but they are really rare. Right. You know th- those those occurrences are rare. Those aren't how the person's making a living, and and so th- those things 
I, I've I've been stepping away from it because in my industry now, as as this how to how to make money online thing, there there's a lot of people who will never take action. And and a lot of the guys that I know in this in this internet marketing world, they know that like ninety five percent of the people who buy their product will never take action. Right. My goal is if I sell it correctly, maybe maybe I reduce my uh, sales. Maybe I don't uh, get as many people buying my product uh, that will show them actually how to build a business because I'm selling them what they need to build a mm-hmm. business and not. And not the fake promises that they want to hear. Right, the easy button. So what what everybody really wants when it comes down to it is the easy button. No matter what field you're in, the easy way to health, the easy way to make money, the easy way to create a scrapbook page, the easy way to decorate a cake, whatever it might be, that's what they want. Right, they want that. It's a lottery mentality. Yeah. Like I I buy a single ticket and, and next thing you know, I've got everything I've ever dreamed of. So is it as simple as you're either a good guy who sells people what they need or you're a bad guy who sells people what they want? Is it that simple? Oh, no, not, not at all. <laughs> I think we're going to say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and uh, recently I, I read this, this uh, article and, and it, really, it really pissed me off. Uh, it was this guy who was talking about uh, pop-ups and he completely moralized the the tale so it, was a, a, it came off really self-righteous and and it's essentially putting people into two camps if you use pop-ups then you're then you're evil and a money-grubbing uh, marketer uh, and if you don't then you're then you're a good person right and and this is like that that's ridiculous and and I've met a lot of guys behind the scenes that that sell, you know, how to make money kind of stuff, and and they're they're good people, but yep. I I think in in some respects, knowing that most of the people that buy your product will never use it, and it is kind of it, it definitely falls in that gray area. Like, are are you being truly helpful or are you just taking advantage? And then that goes into how much are we responsible for what people do or don't do? Because if we present the product accurately, which I think is our responsibility, <laughs> you know, that part is our But then no one buys it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, but let me kind of bring it, come at it another angle. I hear about how um, one way of product creation is to survey your market, ask them what they want, and then create that thing, whatever it is. And do you think that that's a good way to create products? Yes and no. Okay. Yes. That's a very common answer for you. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a tester, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, exper- I experiment. And, and being a consultant and, and, and somebody who's teaching how to do this kind of stuff, everybody just wants the one answer. And there isn't one. That, mm-hmm. that, that's the big secret of business, that there is no one answer to any question. Right. And, and in this case, I'm saying, yes, uh, survey your market. I do it. I ask what people want, and then I build it, and I sell it to them. The, mm-hmm. reason, the reason you do stuff like that is that it, get, it gets you a, sol- a solid cash because you're going to sell a product. It's going, it, uh, you already know you have a built-in market for it. 
Mm-hmm. And you can you, so you can sell that product, but the, there's no innovation in that, mm-hmm. and and that that's where like you know Steve Jobs they they take what's existed like MP3 players existed before the iPod, but they innovated on it, and right. no one knew they needed a little dial uh, <laughs> to slide their thumb around. Uh, you know, because it, it wasn't intuitive. Every everybody knows you push buttons to move things left and right. You know, because we know how to do that on our VCRs back. You know, back mm-hmm. in the day, and you know, uh, so so we knew about push buttons. But here can, here comes this wheel, and it seems ridiculous. You know, like how am I ever going to use this? And then all of a sudden, you use it, and you're like, wow, this is so much easier than trying to push buttons. So no one would have ever said, yeah, give me a wheel to slide my finger around. Right. No one would have said that. Right. So, so innovation requires you to do things that the market doesn't even know it mm-hmm. wants. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I think that's where the big, the big wins come, but also right. the big failures come too. Right. It's almost looking at beneath, it's looking beneath what they say they want to the real core need that they're expressing. So what they really want with the the iPod, for instance, or the portable MP3 player is the ease of convenience, let's say, or the ease of portability, or they want secure data, or instead of looking at the features saying, I want a red button right here to record I want instead I want to be able to record easily whether that button is red or green or blue and if it's on the side or on the back may not matter what they're really getting at is is the 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 benefit not the feature. Right. Does that make sense? Right. And which is the way you you should sell. Mhm. You should sell right. the the benefits of what your product uh, is is for and not and not like what does it do? Like, what are uh, what are its features? Uh, w- uh, what's included in in the product? You, uh, that stuff, yeah, you, you need a little of that. But what people really want is, you know, like like the whole the the cliche of people don't want to buy a drill; they want to they want to make a hole. Exactly. Uh, so so you sell them on how to make a hole, and and just so happens to be your product is the drill. Right. I think it also gets to that book that that you and Izzy have talked about before, that Millionaire Fast Lane by Uh MJ DeMarco and how he talks about thinking like a producer versus a consumer. A consumer is going to say, I want this thinking like a consumer, whereas the producer is going to do that digging deeper and and try to listen underneath and think, okay, given the the changes in technology, given any innovations that I know are brewing or things that I've thought about, here's really what, what they're after, not just a lighter drill they want easier holes or whatever it might be right right that was kind of a stupid metaphor with <laughs> easier holes but you know what i'm getting at <laughs> bigger ones deeper yeah, holes exactly. uh, yeah exactly bigger holes or smoother holes or whatever it might be or holes that drill themselves yeah there you go because <laughs> that would be even better <laughs> now Okay, so I, I'm I'm with you, like thinking about the the features versus the benefits, and thinking like a producer versus a consumer, and doing so authentically. What about that old adage, "The customer is always right"? I mean, we know as business owners that the customer isn't always right, and sometimes they're downright wrong. 
but that's been used as a customer service mantra. So that that ends up, you know, people, you hear the stories of Nordstrom taking back tires for a car, even though they don't sell tires for a car. I don't know if that's right. a true story. Yeah, I but don't know if it's true urban, or not, right. Urban myths. How far do we as small business owners go to satisfy our customers' wishes? And, and a branch of that is also, do we ever say no? And do we ever fire customers because they require too many resources or they're taking us in a direction we personally don't want to go. What do you think about that? Is the customer always right? Let's start with that. Uh, there, there's truth. Yes there's, and no. <laughs> no, no, there's, there's, there's truth. There's truth in it. And, and so I'm trying to, the, what I would say is the right customer is always right. Mm. Uh, the, and the wrong customer is always wrong. <laughs> Uh, so because and and I I want to like couch that in the in the right terms that the 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 right customer is if if you find out who your your market is and then if that person tells you I need this this thing and you're not providing it then that customer is completely right mm. if if you flub the customer service in in any respect on that right customer then that customer is always right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with like the wrong customer, it, it's uh, they're always wrong, not because there's anything inherently wrong with that person. Is that they're not the right person for your company. Mm. You could never you could never uh, take care of them the way they need to be taken care of. You uh, no matter how you alter your business, and when you start trying to uh, make the wrong customers right you end up uh, hurting the right customers. Mm-hmm. You, you end up dropping the ball on them. So, so I do believe in firing customers. And, and I, you know, I've heard some other people say that, like, you know, if you do these kind of things and you talk this kind of way, you're, you're arrogant. And, and I don't mean it in, in any kind of arrogant fashion. It's, uh, it's not about arrogance. It's about knowing your limitations, knowing your business's limitations, because businesses are not omnipotent. Uh, you know, they they do not; they're not all powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can we can uh, take care of the right customers, and we can do so very well. And they're going to become great customers, and you'll be able to build long term relationships. Mm. Wrong, wrong customers never going to happen, no matter what you do. And that could be somebody who talking about a wrong customer, it could be somebody who just isn't quite your target market, or it could be somebody who just requires more support and and resources than you are able to deliver. Either they want somebody who's, you know, if you're selling kind of a, a hands-off product and they want interaction and that's not in your business model, then then they may be in the right place, but want still want something. There could be elements of them that are not correct for your business model. Right, but uh, in in that, uh, it may be that they they really are your right customer, and you don't know it. Mm. Because, Talk more about that. Yeah, explain uh, that. Okay, so so in 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 something like that, where somebody your customer's coming to you, they've already purchased from you, and they're like, you know, this thing needs more. I I, I need more mm. from you, mm-hmm. and and maybe you don't want to provide it, but. You you either uh, find somebody who can provide it for that customer, or you say, oh, you know, th- this this is an opportunity. This is a place for my company to grow. Mm-hmm. And and so so you you have you you have to really know like what what 
what you can uh, truly do for a customer. And and sometimes that's that's simply to say yes. Mm. Uh, I I don't know how this is going to turn out, but this may be an innovation for my company and may take me in a in a direction that I would have never foreseen and would have never tried to accomplish but now that i'm seeing that it's not just this one customer it's you know i get 10 others over here asking for the exact same thing maybe that's the future of my company mm. and and again like I, i'm always you know there is no right answer because sometimes those those 10 people are just completely uh, raw you know <laughs> uh, that whatever they want is something that you could never provide. Right. And and so you have to say, you know, goodbye to those people because it, it's not good for you to continually take their money and uh, even, even if they're getting some value from what you're selling them, if, if they truly need something else. Mm-hmm. And... But but most companies will just keep, you know, selling them the product and never saying, okay, we're never going to do this thing that you're asking for, of us, but mm-hmm. we do know that this other company over here, they do that. So maybe you should go over there because you, uh, you know, you might be a better fit for that company. How do you say yes without becoming scattered or losing your own focus? Because any one request might not seem like a big thing, but you get conflicting requests or you get requests that are just not possible given your limited resources or feasibility. For instance, I did um, an online event, a live event for the scrapbooking industry, and one of the, we did a survey afterwards, and one of the suggestions was, next time you should give us all the supplies for free. Now, <laughs> I can't do that within within without raising the price significantly. And of course, these are the people who also say your event costs too much. So they want a lower price and they want freebies, which, you know, is something I can brew in my mind about sponsors and things like that. But in the immediate future, there's no way I can respond to that in a positive manner. Um, which could signify uh, one of two things, and it makes it really difficult to know which. They could just be people who just want free stuff, right? <laughs> uh-huh. uh, uh, they they want they want uh, value without giving value. Mm-hmm. There could it could be that group, or mm-hmm. it could be something like, well, yeah, you know, if, if I was just create a little more creative, maybe I could make this thing better for the market. Mm-hmm. And and okay, so I don't want to raise my price, and I. I'm not going, I, I can't afford to buy these supplies and ship them out to people all over the world uh, for for this event. So maybe I find a way to uh, split the difference. Like mm-hmm. you were saying, getting sponsors. The sponsors uh, provide a, a kit for mm-hmm. this particular event. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that might be possible. Or, or you raise the price just slightly to help offset the cost for, uh, from the uh, uh, from the people supplying the kit, mm. um, and, may, uh, and maybe even going even further with like the sponsorship thing and trying to make sure these customers who are getting something become customers of the sponsor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've I, I've talked to some of my clients about who you uh, have advertisers uh, for their sites, and 
and I'm, I'm always about, okay, what can you do for the sponsor? Because what the sponsor mm-hmm. wants is customers. Mm-hmm. They don't want to give away free stuff. Right. What they want is a customer. So right. if, is there a way that you can help ensure that they get customers from this? You know, may, maybe you do additional advertising for that uh, sponsor beyond the set number of people at the event. You know, uh, uh, you bundle together a a package that you can sell later that includes the kit. Mm. And and so that the sponsor gets more value from from doing this and it makes it worthwhile for them to do. And the people who come to the event, it makes uh, makes it a much better value and things like that. So so there could be innovation in the request. Mm-hmm. But it could also be that you do this innovation and nobody really cares. <laughs> and other than the people who just wanted free stuff who don't right. want to uh, provide value for value. So how do you how do you sort that out without jumping all over the place, going through all these hoops? Because obviously you have to prioritize. I might get 30 suggestions for the next event and I can toss out you know, maybe 20, 20, 30% of them because they just don't fit with what, what I'm doing. And maybe another 20% are, are obvious ones that I could do easily. Um, but then there's this whole realm of suggestions that I could do or I could not do. And how do I do some kind of analysis to figure out when to say yes to my customers? The cross between value to the customer and impact to your bottom line, mm. where you know the the one that the one that crosses at the highest peak. Mm-hmm. So, so the one uh, that's going to give you the most value to your business, uh, and also gives the most value to your customer. And mm-hmm. uh, where where that those those two things intersect, because yeah, most most companies their first thought is, I'm going to. I'm going to see what's going to have the the most bang for my buck, but mm-hmm. almost always that's short term thinking. Uh, th- that that'll only cover, like, because you because as people we can only think so far ahead, mm-hmm. and and then then all results are never like what we think. <laughs> right. Uh, so so we can we can say okay, this will give me a lot of money because I can sell this product. These people will really buy this, and. And it, and it may or may not be of high value to the customer, but you know that you can make money from it you know, quickly. Mm-hmm. So what, what I'm saying is, and then there's other things that are really high value to a customer, but you couldn't, you couldn't make any money from. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, giving away a bunch of free stuff, you know, for, especially like f- uh, free physical products that cost, right. it costs to make <laughs> it and cost to ship it. Free uh, massage with purchase from right. me. <laughs> you just have to fly to wherever I'm at and <laughs> yeah, and put yourself up in a hotel. Uh, so so there's there's those things, right? There's things that could be high value to the customer, but you couldn't make any money from. Mm-hmm. So you can eliminate eliminate those unless you again like we were talking about you know finding some some form of innovation that is outside of your company right and outside of your industry could you bring that into into play uh, especially if it's truly high value to the customer uh, and and that I, I that's 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 the main thing it's like is it really going to give a lot to the to the customer are they going to be blown away by it right 
And then you have to find uh, in that spectrum of where it benefits your company in the process mon- monetarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, making customers happy tends to benefit a customer, <laughs> benefit your business. But sometimes it doesn't uh, contribute to the bottom line. Right, right. And I think that's when it comes back to knowing your customer. And I think maybe that's why Apple has has done so well is because they're really marketing and creating products for themselves. I mean, that's the market, kind of that hip, techno-savvy market. And they know what is going to fly most of the time and what, what won't. Ping. And the, the more we know our markets, the more we know what's going to really impress and, and wow them. <laughs> well, uh, to, to a certain extent, Mm-hmm. And all, 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 all boldness ends up with failures uh, at some yeah. point. So uh, Steve Jobs had created the Newton, and mm-hmm. it was it was a, a had it was a little computer that had uh, was highly portable, pretty powerful for for that time. Uh, had had uh, writing recognition and a, bu- a bunch of things that were way ahead of its time. And then Palm Pilot came out with, you know, a, a really, you know, dumbed down version of the Newton, and it was a huge success. Right. So, so in in one respect, you you contribute boldness to the market, and and it's just it's just the wrong timing. Uh, you know, the Newton today w- would, well, that would be like the iPad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's portable. It you know you could do all these things. You could write on it. Uh, you know, uh, there's so many things you can accomplish with it. So, uh, so you have this evolution that okay, so something's going to fail. Uh, iTunes, huge success because it was kind of married to uh, to the iPod, and and then it became the platform that that everything else stemmed from. But then they threw in Ping. They, they were like, oh, we're going to have this social network and uh, about music and and we have millions of customers already. So so this is going to be a slam dunk. And like no one used it. I still don't get ping. <laughs> I don't understand it or why I would want to. Well, that's the, okay. <laughs> the, the idea is that people like to share music, right? So right. so with that, you build a social network around it. And we already have millions of people. So yeah. it'll be like the the second largest social network in the world instantaneously. Mm-hmm. And it didn't work. Mm-hmm. So but uh, so there, there was a case where they thought, hey, here's something that the market would really want. And, and it's a hip way of doing things. And the market said, we don't want that from Apple. What we want is, is these really cool gadgets that allow us to consume our, uh, our media the way we wish to consume it. Mm. And, and not, not in iTunes because people use iTunes only because that's how you manipulate your music and, and your, your uh, audio files and video files. Uh, they they weren't going to iTunes for for social <laughs> sharing, right. right? They did that from their their devices. You know, uh, people were always clamoring for a way to share from iPod to iPod. You know, so so failure is just going to be part of the deal. If you're an innovator, you're sometimes going to face failure of some some extent or some degree. And if you're not an innovator, you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. Mm. Ooh, I like how you 
twisted that. <laughs> well, it, it's true. You know, an innovator is going to fail from time to time. Right. But eventually you're going to succeed. But if you're not innovating, the market's going to kill you. you uh, uh, everyone else around you is going to be willing to take a risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's why I said with that whole idea of let's let's survey our market, see what they want. Yeah, you can make a mediocre product that's going to make you money. Uh, it, it, it's it's almost a sure thing. So so I say do those every once in a while because, <laughs> well, you need to make money. Right. You need to have a good solid base of income where you're putting out a good product. Uh, it's n- maybe not a great product, but it's a good product. Your customers are happy with it. Uh, but it's not earth shattering. It doesn't it doesn't blow your market away. Mm-hmm. Well, no big deal. You know, uh, uh, plumbing is plumbing, right? You need a plumber. <laughs> the guy comes over, fixes it. Boom. It, uh, you don't want earth shattering in, in, in those kind of uh, situations. So, so it's not a bad thing. But eventually, the market's going to change on you. And you're going to be still asking your customers what they want. And all of a sudden, they're going to be asking questions uh, about stuff that they want. And you're going to have absolutely no way to supply it. Mm-hmm. And, and that because you haven't had a culture of innovation, you haven't, you haven't taken the risks necessary to build a business. And I think that's maybe why the whole niche world is attractive to people who have been in jobs, um, for, especially for a long time, because jumping into a small, a small niche is easier to do. It, it's, it's like, oh, you know, I'm just kind of creating a new job for myself in, right. this, in this little niche, so, which isn't bad. Uh, it, it's, a good, it's a good starter ground. But eventually, that your your little site is going to be uh, going to be competing against bigger sites. Other people are going to be innovating in your in your niche. So maybe you need to start mm-hmm. doing some innovation. But some people don't want want that. They just want to get into something and it be secure and give me you know uh, thirty years of good steady income that I can set aside and I can retire uh, by the age of sixty five. Or uh, <laughs> but but in reality, uh, they think they're going to retire by the age of thirty two. Right. <laughs> so so that uh, it, it but it doesn't it doesn't re- business doesn't really work that way. And it always seems that way when you have marketers telling you that it does. And then you come from the, uh, a job setting and, and all you have to do is your job. Hmm. You know, you don't, you don't have to think about operations. You don't have to think about innovation. You just do your job and you go home. Maybe you get a more stressful job like being a doctor and, and you get called in in the middle of the night to do a surgery or something. Uh, but still, you're just doing a job. You're not running the hospital. You're not, you're not making sure uh, customers are coming in, and in that case, patients coming in, uh, as opposed to going to some other clinic or some other hospital. You know, you're not even paying attention to any of those things. And when you start a business, uh, people come into, say, a, a, a niche, and they think, oh, you know, I can just build this little thing. It's going to make me $4,000 a month, and, and it's permanent. But it, but it isn't. You know, no business is permanent. And so you either innovate or you or you fail. Right. Right. Hmm. That's good. Good stuff. 
Well, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> uh, any any last words from uh, from your side? Well, I think it it gives me a framework to evaluate customer requests and and uh, realizing that the important thing I think is to listen and and to some extent tabulate those requests. So I see if I'm getting 14, you know, maybe any one request seems like it's way out there, but when I am paying attention, I may discover that three or four or five or 20 people have asked for the same thing, maybe using different words, but they're all kind of after that same thing. So I think that really helps. And that idea of, um, I wrote it down here where you say, you look for where the value to the customer crosses the impact to your bottom line. I think that's very helpful too, not just looking at what's easiest for me to implement right now, but but balancing that easy ease of implementation with the value to the customer with how how much energy is this going to take me to or resources is this going to take me to implement oh, was it I, I don't think it was you i think it must have been talking to steph um from the daily digi about about this about the ease of implementation mm-hmm. and and i think ease of implementation is good for those uh for that income of just bringing steady money in but if you if you want to truly succeed in in your industry you need to do the things that are not easy to implement mm-hmm. because all your competition doesn't want to do it either because it's not right. easy it's not easy right. to implement right that that I, I i so i just i just wanted to bring that up cuz you know when you said the ease of implementation you know finding the balance between it uh, my thought is that if you really want to make a breakthrough in your business then you need to start looking for some of those things that you're like, oh, I don't want to do that because that would be <laughs> that that would be so hard. Yep. To do, and and you're thinking that, and and you should immediately say, my competition's thinking this exact same thing. Mm. Right. Because because right. they ain't gonna do it. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Exactly. And and so so that's where that that innovation can come in. So yeah. you do the things that's going to keep the they're going to keep the lights on, right? You you know, food on right. the table, uh, lights uh, lights uh, uh, the electricity being paid. You you do you keep doing those things, but you always look for those really high value things and they're most likely going to be hard to implement. Mm-hmm. And and that's where the future of your business probably lies. That's so true. I mean, that's so true. It's, yeah, doing the hard stuff. And, and I've heard that, you know, in, in a lot of different fields from athletics to business success, that the successful people are the ones who do the things that the unsuccessful people don't want to do. And, uh, and it, there is something to be said for gathering that low-hanging fruit and getting those quick um, bangs for the buck, but then also investing in the long term where things are really going to innovate and make a difference. Very cool. Well, I I hope everybody listening got some really great value out of this conversation between Lane and myself. And until the next time, enjoy your foolish adventure. You've just listened to the Foolish Adventure Show with Tim Conley. To get more straight talk about making money online and building a successful internet business, go to foolishadventure.com. There, you can opt into the Freedom File newsletter. You'll also get access to the Foolish Guide to Launching Products video training module, over an hour and 20 minutes of business building knowledge that can generate tens of thousands of dollars for your new product. Enjoy your foolish adventure.